0: Something came from bottom on bottom box, nothing came from bottom from box,
1: Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz interview series with producer and host Tom Galker of Something Came From Baltimore. It is a jazz, blues, and R&B podcast and radio show, and it is not really about Baltimore. He has spent the last six years amassing listeners to his unique blend of radio and interviews. Tom reached out to Neon Jazz as two like-minded hosts going for the same sort of goals In different parts of the american map with cities steeped in jazz talent and history we are cross pollinating our advertising and stories you will hear more about this show on neon jazz and we decided it was a great idea to learn more about tom and the cities we respectively live in as a result we talked about the top five jazz acts in both kansas city and baltimore along with so much more dig this interview
0: first
2: and foremost to say thank you for reaching out finding me and I've really had a chance to delve into what you're doing. And it's so good to have a like-minded individual out there, you know, working for, you know, the world of jazz and blues and, and beyond. So thank you for reaching out. And I want to know, first and foremost, when you were a kid, we know what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. What did you want to do? What was your dream when you were a kid?
0: You know, I was that kid who was left at the record store shop. Like, I, when well, my mom would go shopping i'm like just leave me at the record store and i'd look at every single record i dj'd at high school dance parties i dj'd at college i was a store manager at camelot music if you can remember that in record town i programmed music at the college radio station i did production at qvc i worked at cd now which is now defunct volunteered and then got hired as a part-timer at live in the world cafe uh volunteered and then started having a show at morgan state radio uh, jazz 101 so my uh desire to be in entertainment and music was high but as uh when i got out of college either my uh ability to believe in myself was low or i just needed money <laughs> that that uh just changed my trajectory and and now I just realized that I, this is where I belong. Like I belong in this creative sphere in some way, and I'm not really going to push it aside. So I do have to make money. I, I do have a full-time job, but I really am focused on feeling more creative and, and uh really pushing the boundaries of what I've done. And, and I guess in the last like five, six years. When I had the podcast, I wouldn't tell anyone that I had one. And now, any person that walks by me, I'm like, I got a podcast. So I've come a long long way. So
2: something came from Baltimore. It's been on for six years now. And in this process, as you've explained kind of your history leading up to now, what's been the most surprising part of authoring your own entity and talking to musicians and kind of being in control of something that, really brings more attention to a music that you love
0: mm. well there are a uh, bucket list moments where i freak out and i'm like oh my god i can't believe i'm talking to joe Lovano," or uh um, ali shaheed muhammad from the Truck called quest or mike watt the bass player from the Minutemen. they're like oh my god i can't believe i'm talking to a hero like people that that you know i totally respect oh terence blanchard there'd be another one that that freaked me out. So just the personal high to do that is exciting. What I found in the last six years is that I'm really focused on what's going on now in jazz world. And I found that the international world, the people who are in international countries are really like being very creative and, and exciting. So I'm focusing a lot on that. I'm working on. um, I do not think of the word. Uh, You know, experimental music, which doesn't really translate well in interviews because you know it's like, hey, we just did this live in the studio, and then I'm like, okay, well, we're going to play 15 seconds of this, you know, 20 minute song. So it doesn't translate that well, but I'm giving it a shot, and I just feel that now I'm a, a part where people trust me enough that if I'm focusing on an artist that this artist is high quality because they won't put on anything I don't like.
2: Yeah, what I've noticed too, you know, along those lines is that there's been a level, especially over the pandemic, a level of electronica and a level of, you know, people pushing boundaries that you may not have ever heard before. Um, have you noticed that kind of innovation going on? I mean, we that's that's the thing I heard from musicians. You just wait until we're done with this pandemic to hear what's coming out and it's been coming out. Maybe we're too close to this time period still, but it seems like it's happening.
0: It's interesting how it like pieces are moodier, you know, because the pandemic was really kind of you know very scary for us. It was oh God, it was like something we've never experienced before. So when it came to musicians, you know, people were just sat at home. And I'm finding the material that comes out It's surprising when it's, like, kind of joyous or uplifting. There are a lot of moodier pieces that are coming out. I think that just kind of reflected the times. Let's get into it. So these are the top five, not the top five best. These are people who are probably going to break out within the next two to three years or, or so. And then you're like, well, I knew about him first, and that's a good feeling. The first person I have is Clarence Moore the He's a, a multi-instrumentalist. Uh he uh is really just kind of dominating the whole Baltimore scene. He's he's playing everywhere with a, a band called That Feel Good, which is um uh, like a fusion group. But he's phenomenal. His presence on stage is very electrifying. It's not a show, it's real. And, but that you you are kind of mesmerized. Now, when it comes to Clarence, like I've talked to him a couple times, and I am nervous around him when I see him around. Like I look at him as like a star, like, oh, my God, he's a star. And I told him, I said, dude, I'm always going to act like you're a star, so just get over it. You're going to see me around. I'm going to watch all your shows. But I, I can't help thinking that you're a star. So uh that's a good thing. He just put out a new release. It's called... Malignant Love. I know that they're working on some kind of documentary about him, and uh, his personal back story is fantastic and really interesting. Clarence uh, Ward the third.
2: My list is really going to kind of, like, begin with somebody that probably the world should know more about and they probably will, and he's referenced quite a bit here in Kansas City as being the best on the instrument, and that's Peter Schwam. He plays the vibes, and he plays uh, the piano. He, he's a regular here. Um, he's kind of a part of uh, a crop of cats that, uh, you know, kind of all were here in probably the early 2000s and have really kind of taken off. But he exists in different incarnations of bands. Uh, Herman Mahari is the trumpet player that's moved on to Paris. He still comes back to Kansas City. He's kind of a part of that group. But he is wonderful with what he does. He does both, you know, the acoustic. Uh, vibes and the electronic and here at Neon Jazz we have a very defined bias for vibes. We love them So it's not just because of that But it's because Peter has really like risen up into a way where other musicians get very respectful by him I've always loved what he's done, but but I remember one time in particular Joe Locke came in to uh, The Blue Room and I remember this show specifically because it was on the day of my son's birthday whose name is miles um, and it was December 8th, and I could just tell that Joe and the band, they were kind of just, uh, uh, they were very nervous, and I had never really met him in person, but we met, and he was wonderful, and I kind of heard through the grapevine that they were waiting for uh, vibes, um, th- th- a set of vibes to come through, and Peter had to do it, and his leg was broken, and it's cold out, and he comes in, and he brings it in. Somewhere in the shuffle of bringing the vibes then it didn't happen for Joe, Peter came in but that's just kind of the the cat he is he's just he's he's a blue collar guy you don't get this feeling that there's an international glow around him but there genuinely
0: is he's a wonderful cat I'm going to sample him I don't I'm not familiar with him okay all right my my number two is just uh, he's um he's a part of the daisy age I think before uh De La Soul and the tribe called quest he must have been born that time period he's a young guy But the spirit of that um, communal um, love and harmony is a part of him. His name is Aaron Hill, and he's a keyboard player. He's uh, front of the band, uh, The Fruition Experience. Uh, He's a part of that feel-good. He has a self-care program that he's working on called 5M. He's a mind, body, and spirit therapist, and he does something that I think is amazing. He does pop-up jam sessions throughout the city he's done over a hundred plus where he just appears on a corner with his group and they, they play for like an hour. He's really amazing. And, and he has outgrowth where he's just, he's a musician, but he's also really into, you know, self-care and also like mental health. Uh, the single that kind of popped out, the last thing that he did solo came out on March 14th, 2022 called, um, Contemplation. He can go in any direction. He could be a smooth jazzer if he wanted. He could be a gospel dude. He can um, do fusion uh, and he can do uh, ambient, uh, atmospheric. He can do it all.
2: So, my number two is Lonnie McFadden. Lonnie McFadden, um, he's a part of the McFadden brothers, but Lonnie's really stepped out on his own. He is the, probably one of the best pure entertainers I've ever seen in person. Around the pandemic, after it happened, he got approached by um, the Ambassador Hotel, and they said, uh, you know, you want to set up a club named after you? And he thought you know, this guy was crazy. You know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. No one knows what's going on. So just, to, just to, as a testament to who he is and how big he is here and just his spirit, which is wonderful... He decided to set it up and called it uh uh uh, it's uh club reno and that harkens back to the early days of kansas city one and it was in the basement of this um hotel so it's all themed after him he has a great set of cats around him he taps he plays the trumpet he sings he's wondrous Um, my wife actually took me for our anniversary a few years ago we saw the show firsthand And it's a full meal, and you get to see him, and it's unbelievable. Now, he'll play at other – well, he used to play at, like, the Green Lady and uh, the Black Dolphin, which is clubs here in town. And he would pack it, and it was unreal. He just has a way of connecting with people. And, you know, I talked to him off stage. Jelani is a wondrous human being, and he is most definitely somebody that anybody should come see here because he is transformative in a way that a national act would be like if you went to see – you know, a, a Motown act or something like that. There is a dynamic aspect of what he does that genuinely pushes and keeps, he keeps the lore of Kansas City intact, but he pushes it to a whole other level in this modern era.
0: Wow. I'm, I, wow. 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 That's exciting. I'm going <laughs> to, uh, I, I can't wait. Uh, I got to get to KC. Uh, number three right now, he's a touring. Uh, uh, there's a group called Cigarettes After Sex, and he's the opening act with the, uh, uh, another artist. The band is called The Furniture, which is a very atmospheric, kind of cocktail twinsy kind of jazz. Uh, he's a session man. He's been all over the place. He's with uh, Odd Man Out, which doesn't have a, a recording yet, but has Michael Foreman also on bass. Turd Marlon, Turd. Marlin. Yes, Turd Marlin is a band. And he's a part of that. John Dirk with the, the Mike Cole duo. Um Kraft is where I found him, which was an improvisational quartet. Um and it was just like amazing. Kraft is spelled just like Kraft cheese. K R A S T. And the band uh was like Dave Ballou, um, John with on, on trumpet. John Decker on Reed and then Luke Stewart on bass. And and we're talking about Mike Cole. And it's not uh, K-O-O-L or C-O-O-L. It's K-U-H-L. And he's a a drummer who can do anything. And uh, he's really pushing the limits as to where he's at and where he's going. The last thing he recorded was from the furniture. And the album came out last January. And uh, a single that's, like, doing really well is called Gumdrop. And there's another single that's really doing well called Strum, S-T-R-O-M. So my number
2: three is Rod Fleeman. Rod's an old-time guitarist. I mean, from back from the day, but he gets on that stage and he goes. He he sits in with the Kansas City Jazz Orchestra. He does things in trio quartet formats. He's all over town. And he was the guitarist to go to. I don't know if he is anymore. I don't know where Marilyn May is in her life, but he is the guitarist that has traveled with her more, and Marilyn May is another that's just, you know, one of those um, singers that is one of the best ever that's from here. She's in New York, and she's kind of, like, made it with the hipsters, and she is, like, totally cool and totally kind of avant in that almost striped and way for the jazz world. Um, and I've seen her live, and, man, she is just, she's from an era that's just not not here anymore. Like, if you saw Benny Goodman, you would be like, I, there's no way I'll see anything like that in my life. And Rod's been backed at her up, backed a lot of people up. He is just one of those guys that when he gets up there and he starts going on that guitar, you're like, wow. I mean, this guy is, like, just unlocks this portal within him, and he goes. I mean, he was one of the guys that really kind of, you know, taught an early Pat Metheny before he moved on to where he was going. I mean, he is like the predecessor to jazz guitar in Kansas City, an absolute gem and a must see if anybody comes to town.
0: My number four and five are, are a combination because they're a brother and sister duo. They're not really well, they're a duo because they're they're from the same lineage. Uh, Evan Dorsey is eighteen years old. She's a band leader. She plays sax and she's a composer. She got a free ride at the John Hopkins Peabody. Her brother is one year older. It's Ephraim Dorsey. He's 19 years. He he plays tenor sax. He's also a composer and a leader. Uh, I've interviewed him on my show, and, you know, their dream was always to work with Kamasi Washington, and they've done that already. And I reached out to him. I said, oh, if we play a segment, what would you like to hear? And it was uh, them on stage with Kamasi. The song is called uh, Change of the Guard, um, they're the NYO jazz, you know, just talking about Sean Jones, he kind of uh, spearheads that in the summer and uh, you know, Evan Dorsey did a, a song off the album that came out this year called Art of War and War Transitions, either of them can be played and they're, they're finding their way and um, I hear them jam a lot at, on Mondays they play at Our House, which is like a free jam session and they're growing and developing kind of like right in front of my eyes. It's really kind of cool to see how they come in and just kind of just blow people away.
2: Adam Larson came to Kansas city from New York, big time dude. And he has a couple of albums in a series that he's released with love from Chicago with some, with some very esteemed Chicago cats. And then with love from Kansas city, he is a powerful, powerful player. Um, You know, and, and I think he was, I think he was a little relieved that he was here in Kansas city during the pandemic because the economy here is very different from New York. And I think a lot of musicians suffered and went through that. But at any rate, you know, when he plays vocally here, it is just an explosive thing. He's one of those guys that pushes the envelope in a very defined way. And he is, just a very welcome guy here that that I think people are still kind of pinching themselves that he's here and he's doing what he's doing and he continues to evolve. He's a teacher and a musician. And speaking of teacher and musician, the great Bobby Watson just released a brand new album. um, It's kind of as a homage to Kansas city. I was very relieved to see that in the mail the other day. And um, the name of that album is back home in Kansas city. And you know, when he retired back in 2000. Early 2020, I interviewed him and he was gearing up to retire from UMKC and he had all of these things that he was going to do, albums and going to New York and all that, because he comes from that Art Blakey fame and he was with Art and he was really a national guy with Kansas City roots, but he came back to teach here state here and he's really cultivated i would say if we look at kansas city right now with its vibrancy and relevancy and not only pushing the envelope but holding on to what we had that the world knows kansas city has the number one person that did that the glue was bobby watson he is paramount he is a statue worthy guy for this town so the fact that he's back and he's got another album is wonderful i just recently saw him cap off uh the Charlie Parker week at a, with a live show at a distillery called Tomstown in downtown Kansas City and it was wondrous. So um yeah those are my final two that round out the top 5 and uh yeah that's that's my story and I'm sticking to it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Bobby Watson's wife is also a very uh, talent also. And absolutely. Yeah, like she yeah. like she's a um, they're they're uh, like a um, oh god um, Steve Swallow and a, a Carla Blythe kind of duo okay. where they're just constantly creative being creative um, awesome so it's yeah. exciting I, I'm really glad yeah. I'm glad we were able to connect the two cities give people an idea as to what's going on even though I was had a gloom and doom I'm really you know, I you know, I'm just giving an honest uh, approach as to what I've seen in the past and where we're at now. Um, we have brighter days ahead and you know, we have just a rabid fan base and, you know, we have DC down the corner that just is a is a melting pot of just really some amazing music.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. And before we leave it in part, Carla Blay, I actually landed an interview with her a while back and it was just it was serendipitous. It was almost like something that just the stars aligned. I, I That that interview to this day is one of the most mind-blowing interviews I've ever had. I mean, she truly, in word, is the epitome of what she does to music. It's like you're just, you, you, there was a couple of times where I would just, she would answer something and I took me a couple of seconds to respond. I was like, wow. <laughs> you know, but I, I will say that there are people in town that cover jazz, that don't feel the way I do about the jazz scene. It it can be very disheartening because the numbers are low. And, um, uh, but at the end of the day, I think that it is a melding of both of the worlds that exist. And I I find that doing neon jazz is that when I hear jazz shows, sometimes it's like, we do kind of get bespeckled by this old world that used to exist in jazz, but it's just as vibrant today. And I think stitching both of those together is very essential. Mm -hmm. Same thing with visual arts, too. You know, you can't just say, oh, we're going to stop at Van Gogh. No. We have a lot of people that are doing things today in all kinds of artistic venues and menus. It it, it just should continue to evolve, and I think that's what what we both are celebrating, is the evolution of what we would consider one of America's very finest inventions, which is jazz music. Uh,
0: You look at the art form, and you're like, okay, well, it's not it's not blue note records uh, from the fifties. There are is amazing stuff going on right now. And that's the thing that gets me excited is like, what is going on right now? And, uh, the, the, the fusion of electronics and, um, you know, the ability to do, um, like some avant-garde pieces or, um, and, and just kind of come up with some really creative ideas. It's pretty awesome. Um, And I, I love the, the, you know, I'm really focused on like European artists. Um, they, this is not their medium, you know, jazz came from America. And so they are, you know, just, you know, looking at things from afar and taking it in a different direction, which I think is even, even cooler. So it's not theirs, but you know, they're, they take have a lot of respect for it and then they turn around and uh, create something new and interesting. So I, I like that too.
2: Yeah, yeah. And those European crowds genuinely have a love and zeal for jazz that just doesn't exist here. I mean, that's the beauty of what they're doing. And I was just thinking about Kamasat Washington about modern jazz and where we're at. I think we all would hope that it would be more embraced by maybe younger audiences and more overall. And I remember my stepdaughter had a friend that knew I did a show, a jazz show, and got very excited and said, I picked up this Kamasi Washington album, and I was like, all right, you know? I mean, it's like those kinds of cats that are really blending, you know, a lot of things that I think Miles was trying to do towards the end of his life Mm -hmm. is happening, and that baton has been pushed on uh, through Theo Croker and other cats that are doing things like that. I think it's very very important um you know for us and what we do to to, to shine a light on that. Um there was a uh, Pluto juice. There was an I don't are you I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's a super group out of New York. And I heard their album towards the beginning of the year and I was like, wow, this is amazing stuff. <laughs> and it's a super group and they are making a sound that i I've never heard before. I mean it's sonically all over the place, but right there in front of you, that it's like the future dancing in front of you, it's like a mm-hmm. Twilight Zone episode. Which I don't know how they, how CBS ever agreed to run that show back in the day. It's like it's that cutting edge. But at any rate, it's it's good. It's good to see evolution and things
0: moving. The the part that we're that we're dealing with or grappling with is the whole Spotify world. So, you know, when I bought that decoy album, I bought it with my own money, I took it home. And it was my only Miles Davis album. So I played it, you know, nonstop, and, and knew every single song and step by step. And so there was a, a appreciation in a different way. And now we're in a Spotify world where I'm, I'm combing, you know, playlists, and I'm like, Oh, I like that song. Oh, I like that. song. who's that? So I don't know if I like it or, or I hate it. I can't decide. But the personalization of it, it, it becomes more of a less personalized and more of a melting pot where, okay, this vibe feels good. Oh, I like this. Um, and then the, the who that artist is becomes secondary as opposed to, Oh, uh, wow, this is a Miles album and let me dig into it. Let's, what does Miles have to say? So I believe that jazz is going through that is that where a lot of people who are young guys are way into jazz and, and cause it feels good or what this is. But if you ask them who the artist, they're like, I don't really know who this is. I just really like what I'm hearing. So Decoy was originally recorded in 84. They have a 2020 get <laughs> <laughs> I get, you know? I, get, and, I, get pick, I get, picked I and Decoy all the time. So. <laughs> uh, oh,
2: no, I'm so <laughs> glad you brought it up. I mean, I named my only son after Miles. So, you, I mean, I'm uh, loved, I mean, in, a, in a very it, deeply woven way.
0: Wouldn't you say that that's probably in the top 30, like number 30 of the best albums of all time?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sure. not, it's yeah, not great. It's, well, but, but the thing about Miles is is that I think you really need to listen to it. And the irony of me saying that is this. Of all of the interviews that I've had, I don't like to go headlong into people that have been with Miles because it's just not fair to them. I want them to do it. But in roundabout ways, I can get them or they on their own will start talking about Miles. And they talk about the thing that was the best about Miles Davis was that he could listen like no other it's weird to hear that, but it's very key in how he was so innovative. And I think that's the thing about Miles. If you listen to these albums that aren't way up on the list of things that people listen to, it's going to hit you. It will make sense. Whether it's Bitches Brew or whatever it is, uh, Sketches of Spain, it's like you just need to listen and see what he was doing. Why? Because he always assembled the best musicians that were alive on the planet at the time. And he had a sonic plan. It was a map. And if you really hone in
0: it'll make sense as to why it is what it is yeah, i agree i agree so the you know we're, we're gonna not use this part but that's where i was like i found i wrote down 30 albums of like a michael frank's album that i think is amazing that is not like no one else would think is amazing so it was just a matter of you know through being a music fan just falling in love with something and i I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna do that next year where I pop in instead of an interview just like a fifteen minute blurb of you know talking about decoy and why it's great for me, and you know that that's kind of has a lot to do with what people are into right now uh, that uh that they're finding artists that are that mean a lot to them and and like they may love a Joe Lovano song but they they don't really like know who he is.
2: So we'll stay in touch. We'll keep this uh, wheel moving.
0: Yeah, definitely we got a friend cool man man. (laughs) I got a friend in KC. absolutely Absolutely, (laughs) man cool Tom I'll talk to you later
1: thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in Baltimore Kansas City and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz thanks to Tom for reaching out for his time music and cool if you want to hear more interviews go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes store visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com and for everything Neon Jazz go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends.
2: Neon Jazz.
0: Something came from Baltimore. Baltimore. Something came from Baltimore. 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 Gerald Albright, Rhea Schneider, Charlie Hunter, Luke Robillard, Sean Jones, Walter Beasley, Steve Swallow. Something Came From Baltimore is a jazz, blues, and R&B podcast and radio show, and it's not really about Baltimore. Subscribe to the podcast and listen to your favorite artist, or future favorite artist that something came from Baltimore and be a part of that be more music scene. Joe Lovano, Jeff Copin, Paula Cole, Danuso, makatani and Pasio, Chess Smith, Thumbscrew,
1: mostly. Hi, jazz fans. This is the founder and host of Neon Jazz, Joe Demino. It's both a weekly radio show and interviews with musicians from all over the world, like the Netherlands, New York City, and back to Kansas City, the home of Neon Jazz, covering the rich history and modern world of jazz in a fresh way. Featuring interviews with the likes of Arturo Sandoval, Sonny Rollins, Maria Schneider, and countless others. Find our weekly show on Mixcloud, Subscribe to the interviews via iTunes and YouTube. We are Neon Jazz.
0: Greetings from the Adult Music Podcast, where we talk about music for the mature mind. I'm Russ. And I'm Mike. And every week we get together in our mountain lair in Japan and discuss new classical and jazz music releases and enjoy some laughs and maybe some booze along the way.
2: We go track by track through the albums we listen to and dig deep into the performances. We also provide you with links to the music via Spotify and Apple Music and a full episode playlist on Deezer so you can follow along.
0: So if you're looking for the best new music to stimulate your brain and lift your spirits, join us every week on the Adult Music Podcast.
2: Same difference. Two jazz fans, one jazz standard. A review of a single jazz standard through music history and stories. And this is AJ. And this is John.